Hello and welcome to Fringe Binge, Daily Doses from the Edinburgh Festival. It's episode 10 and it's another glorious day here in Edinburgh. It did start off a little bit cloudy, a little bit foggy, quite moody actually. And the, the city does look so amazing in the sunshine, but I think it has that extra quality when it looks a little bit more gothic, you know, with the clouds and the fog creeping in over the buildings. But anyway, the sun's out now and it's encouraged all of these failed actors, jugglers, and musicians to gather by the canal, uh, and also some happy families as well, to be honest, but uh, I'm not a fan of those either. Today on the show, I have a very good friend of mine, an incredible comedian, musician, and actor. It's Nick Helm. We have a sit-down, and Nick talks to me whilst he drinks a, a can of Coke that I bought for him for uh, pound eighty. Well, you know, what doesn't matter, not bothered at all, does not matter. pound eighty for a can of Coke, quite reasonable really, isn't it? You know, not a problem at all. Nick talks to me about Edinburgh's past and Edinburgh present, and uh, also we discuss the ups and downs of making your own TV series. I thought this was a really interesting and really fun chat. I love Nick to bits. I hope you enjoy the episode. Enjoy the show. (laughs) I find that uh, impossible to believe, Phil. What, that my show's doing really badly? Yeah, because you're one of my favourite comedians. That's very kind. uh, You're genuinely, even if you weren't one of my favourites, I'd have to acknowledge... You're one of the best in the business. Well, that's very kind. Thank you, Nick. If you could do that after each uh, each <coughs> performance as people leave. Yeah, I'll do the bucket speech yeah, for like you. Now, I think that was worth £7.50. <laughs> 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 you could see a show twice as good as this for a ten. <laughs> How much are you charging this year? I've no idea. <laughs> You've got no idea? I've not even seen any of my flyers. Or any of my posters. I think that makes you sound a little bit um, uh, like an eccentric, like famous. Plus touch with my audience. Yeah, well, Nick's not here now. for the, the He's a hologram, in case you want to. He's <laughs> zooming in. He's the only guest to have zoomed in. My tickets are about uh, 50 grand each, and uh, I get helicoptered in, so I don't have to deal with anyone. Yeah, you don't get out the helicopter either, do you? No, I don't. You just sort of lean no, out. I lean the helicopter deliberate. forward, and then I plow my way through the audience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's that? 28 in? weeks later. Planet Terror, I think it's Planet Terror. <laughs> <laughs> what is the show? Hey, Nick. Oh, I'm sat. In the assembly, it seems to be getting louder every day, this room. Do you film it? Do you record every day? I record every day. In yeah. here, though? Not always in here. Mostly. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I would think if you've done it once here, then you wouldn't come back, right? Well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Anyway, but welcome we back. <laughs> Episode nine. <laughs> We're still here. People keep walking in and out. There's loads of noise in mm. the background. Um, in, yesterday, a it's exactly like in. one of my shows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we do it. I want you to feel nice and relax, Nick. So, uh, I, well, joy, I'm joined today by Nick Helm. Hi, Phil. Hi, Nick. Thanks for dragging me all the way here at the crack of 2 p.m. I know. You're the only first and only guest to be late yes. so far. Yeah, sure. So I'd like that to be noticed. I've got an ongoing back problem, and um, <laughs> yeah. it takes me a while to get warmed up. Uh, I can only say it's down to my own uh, arrogance and self-belief that I thought I'd make it on time. But uh, I realise now that after I'd done all my stretches, I was never going to be there. Yeah, what sort of stretches do you have to do? do that. I'll just sort of uh, reach my phone, um, <laughs> <laughs> do, do my daily socials. You know, it's yeah, difficult yeah. to do all of that in bed, especially well, yeah. when you can't remember where you left everything the night before. What is this podcast? 
This is a. What do you mean? What is this podcast? Well, what is, we're what in is the it? charts. Yeah, sure, that's good. I don't know which ones. That, that's that's that really the worst good. podcasts. Yeah, I've been in the charts before. Uh, yeah, musically. Uh, no, um, <laughs> my ra- my radio show with Nathaniel Metcalf. We were regularly number sixty-two in Malta. Really? Mm. Did you ever go there to soak, soak up the success? No, we had no idea why. <laughs> <laughs> we had no idea why anyone was listening to us in Malta. Uh, I think once we saw the Maltese Falcon and we talked about that, but I think that's about it. It was quite late on. Well, uh, if you've got any of uh, Nick's Malta fans listening, thanks for tuning in. Do spread the word out there. And maybe get you... That could be where you... You know, like when um, people's careers really, like, like mine has <laughs> five years ago, really gone to shit, and then they go out and start, like... Um, not that he went to shit. Wasn't Norma Wisdom massive in, like, the Ukraine or something? Probably. Yeah. Would you go to Malta then, if all else failed? Yeah. Big time. But we don't have to worry about that because you're a big success. What's the name of your show this year? What Have We Become? Yeah. What Have We Become? Yeah, <laughs> my show's called What Have We Become? At the Queen Dome at 5.25pm. It is at 5.25. Every day, not the same. What is this show, though? It's, I just interviewed... What do you mean, what is this show? Well, what's it called? Or did you not read the brief? No, I haven't been sent anything. It's called Fringe Binge. Unless it's gone to my junk mail. It's called Fringe Binge. Fringe Binge? Yeah. Oh, well, and what's that about? Well, I just interview a comedian each day. Oh, no, I don't want to do that. Well, or two. Two? I interview two sometimes. Comedians? Mm. Or is there someone else coming? Um, no. Well, I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but it just seemed to me that you're putting a lot of the weight on my shoulders. But I thought we'd, just, I thought we'd have natural banter that would just roll. Oh, no, Phil. I write all my natural banter. <laughs> 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 now, go on. What's the second? Well, I am your friend, yeah. What's the second question? I don't do that now. No, I am. I, am, I genuinely am your friend, Phil. That's why I turned up <laughs> 15 minutes late. I wouldn't do that to someone <laughs> I didn't like. <laughs> That's only because I got your Diet Coke, which was yeah. £1.80, by the way. Yeah. You know, just grab one from a shop and I was giving you the money. Yeah, could have done. I didn't know where you were. Yeah, what, what is the show about, Nick? Because you said to me a minute ago before we recorded, which was a shame because it would have been good to have it, was um, that it's stand-up this year, just stand-up. Um, yeah, I was sort of... Uh, um, I, <clears throat> I wasn't going to do Edinburgh for a long time and then I did Edinburgh. And I, then I said I'd, I'd do that to help my girlfriend out with rent. Mm. <laughs> And then I realised much later that I could have just given her the money. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, or uh, paid half the rent, but just come up for a holiday, gone and see loads of stuff. But instead, I went the hard route and pulled another five-star show out of my ass. Oh, my God. According to I some online know. reviewers. So uh, that's, that's the Who's that? I don't know. Well, you set up a website before you came out I as did, well, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, absolutely. What was that called? called? Su- it was some online reviewers. Oh, right, nice. They gave me one star. Yes. They didn't even come. No, no. Uh, you'll, be f- you'll be seeing a lot of one-star reviews uh, <laughs> for a lot of other acts. Uh, <laughs> uh, King of Edinburgh, uh, here again. <laughs> Only one with a five, unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> You're in the, uh, in the, it's the... It's a big old venue. Uh, yes, but well, I've, I've done that venue. I did, the first time I did that venue was 2012. Mm-hmm. Second time I did that venue was 2019. Mm. The third time I've done that venue is 2022. Oh. This year, it's my favourite venue, Queen Dome. It's lovely. Yeah, because yeah. I, I you even when it's half full, it's still good, which helps. <laughs> <laughs> half, that's been a bit generous. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> they really. <laughs> oh, 
audiences have been down this year, right? <laughs> yeah, yours, definitely. Yeah, definitely, right. Yeah, good. <laughs> just checking. Just no, checking with yeah. everyone else. Weirdly, I was going to talk to you about this. Have you noticed that audiences are down? Because I, I certainly have. Um, I, I think that if you're in like smaller venues or you're like, I don't, I don't know what the rhyme or reasoning for it is, but yeah, it feels like it's a quieter year. Like even I walked from, I walked from uh, Bristow Square. Is it Bristow Square or Bristow Square? I think it's Bristow. Walked from Bristow Square over to the stand last night, mm. and just the streets in general are like quiet. Yeah, which is good for walking, but bad for... Well, yeah, like, normally you can't get anywhere, but even, like, going past the Royal Mile at, like, you know, nine o'clock or whatever, it's still a lot quieter. So I just guess it's down to, like, people not... You know, everyone going, like, yeah, we'll do the festival, but but there are some people that are a little bit like, well, we haven't been on holiday in fucking three years. Yeah. And, you know, it's the kids' holidays as well, and it's like, there's loads of reasons why people just think... and And also, I think... Maybe we're remembering it wrong. <coughs> mm. And I think maybe sometimes uh, it picks up a bit towards the end when all the reviews are out and people come up in the last week. So Could be. I mean, I, I genuinely am feeling like this is exactly what it... This is why I've never had a birthday party when I've been an adult, because this is like that feeling of no one coming. Oh, really? I, I'm like stood there and waiting for my presence. It's just three people awkwardly. I think... I think um, I think there's a, a dead end path to think that way, Phil. I think you just you can't take any of this personally, you know. Well, I do. Well, I, I would take a lot of the reviews personally, but they're but, very personal reviews. Yeah, I know. I've read some of yours. They're yeah. like, they're mean as well, but but yeah. like spot on. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's what's worse about them. That's right? what hurts. Yes. Yeah, I wouldn't mind if. Uh, yeah. Weirdly, have you ever had that when you have you ever brought up a show that you just have not been happy with and that you've not been able to when you get bad review you've just been like because I had one year and I was just like oh yeah you're right um no but what I, but what I would say is that with every show that I've done um you do it in Edinburgh every day mm. and you kind of like go there, there might be like one joke or, or a couple of jokes where you can see on the horizon coming up and you go oh I was meant to fix that and then at the end of every show, you're so euphoric that you finished your show mm. that you just go out and do whatever. And then you get around 24 hours later to that joke coming up on the horizon again. You go, I was meant to fix that, but I didn't fix it. And it goes on for a whole month. Mm. And then if you have a break between doing your Edinburgh show and going on tour or doing like a run at Soho or wherever you end up taking your show, if you didn't take your show, that little break that you do, when you come back to your show, your show just ends up improving because... You've had, like, distance from it. Mm. It's quite difficult to change stuff while you're in Edinburgh. I spent nine years writing a play once. It was, it was the last proper play that I wrote. And, um, it was in 2006. I started writing it in 97. It took me nine years to write it. Took it up. I, uh, booked it into Edinburgh. It was just before I started doing stand-up. Like, literally the month before I started doing stand-up. Um, took it up in August. We were at the Bedlam Theatre. Uh, spent nine years writing it, got one star review from the Scotsman. And then the Scotsman were like, they phoned the venue and they said, oh, it was meant to be two. <laughs> really? <laughs> and then... And that's when it really turned around. And then online, and this is how how long ago it was, because uh, the the printed copy was the one star review which everyone read and the online review which no one read because no one used the internet yeah. in 2006. 
it was uh, a two two stars on the internet and one star on in the a newspaper. But we sold out that day, and um, because everyone wanted to see a one star show. How bad it was! And it was the and it was the best one we did. When was the first time you came up as a stand up? Um, two th- thousand seven. It was straight afterwards. And had you done much stand up before? Then? No, I did my. I did I did the play. Um, and I'd already booked myself in. I'd already done a one-day stand-up comedy course in 2006. My goal, because Steven Spielberg, I'm not even a Spielberg fan, and I've mentioned him so much, mm. right? But he made Jaws when he was 25. Yeah. And when I was 25, I was like, well, I haven't made Jaws. But I want to do something while I'm 25, you know, so that I can say, I've started a journey. Have you, is there a thing to this stand-up show? What have we become? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's a thread. It's a, well, it's a, it's a, do you do, yeah? it's a show about the pandemic, but it's about. Uh, well, I think you meant. Uh, I th- the whole idea was that because so much we had so many cultural revolutions and changes during the, uh, the last three years, or the last you know five years, six years, whatever. So much has changed, and I thought, what would sort of like my point of view be? Mm. as a character, as like a stage persona, what would my point of view be? And, you know, um, and I thought a lot of people would either be doing very woke comedy or anti-woke comedy. Mm. And I wanted to really set up a vibe that <laughs> this show was going to get me cancelled. <laughs> um, uh, so the post is really dark and foreboding and the, um, uh, the uh, what do you call it? The... The, the music was originally very sort of like dark and, and dull. Uh, not dull, it was, it was very sort of like the music, the, the intro music was very sort of like downbeat. And you were meant to come in with like this sense of doom. And then oh. the show was meant to be like an hour over a flight. Hey guys, isn't it great that we're all about yeah. We can do what we love again. Yeah, and that's what it is. And actually, um, I've sort of like, I just think the show's really nice. Oh, good. It's like it's it's like it's exactly me, but I've kind of like not tried to do anything kind of like too clever with it, and just um, uh, I haven't got any songs in this one. I've done, I've got, I had four poems, but we, I overrun every day, so I just took a poem out. That's a hard thing to do sometimes. I think to take stuff. That's the with I find this comedian. I'm sure because you've got so many things going on. Lots of many different ideas. That you're very creative. Mate. Do you find it hard to take stuff out? Um, yeah, but I tell you, I've got a tour coming up, and I know it's got to be twice as long as that. It's got, you know, yeah. I've got an hour in Edinburgh, and it'll be like two forty-five-minute halves or two hours or whatever it will be on tour. So anything I take out, my only concern is that I remember how it went and yeah. where it goes. But I'm all right with taking stuff out. What you want to do is still give people like the abridged version, but it still makes sense and it still sort of has the right flow to it. Mm. And you know, it depends where you take the bit out and. I, t- I took a bit out earlier and then I didn't think the rest of the show made sense. So I added that in, but then that meant that you've got to take something else out. I find, I used to find 20 minutes impossible. Five minutes were, were the worst. 10 minutes were hard. And then an hour where I was fine with. And now I find like an hour isn't really long enough to do work. No, no. So I th- an hour, like, it's weird. When you first start, you think, how am I ever going to do an hour? And then once you've done an hour, like a few times, you just think, well, ah. I've got so much more to do with it than mm. will fit in an hour. So I'm looking forward to the tour. Yeah, and, I'm, and I love Edinburgh, but, like, but it is an abridged version of what I want to do. 
well that's it that's, that's um it is like just like you say it's actually funny how sometimes an hour just does not feel long enough it's just you just need that extra 20 30 minutes yeah no, even 10 minutes would really help but to just land the show a bit better because yeah. i was rushing the end and then i took another bit out yesterday and then the ending kind of like had its own pace mm. and then it's like oh it's so much better it's got like room to breathe mm. Um, but it's not like, oh, all of my material is so good. <laughs> it's like what makes the most sense to the story. Because I think that it, you might have a really funny bit, but if it doesn't add to the story, then you can probably get rid of it. And then if you get rid of it, you will find something funny to fill that space. Maybe not on the first day, but eventually there'll be like a gap where people mm. won't laugh as much. And you'll go, right, well, how do we make that bit funny? And you just survival instincts will just kick in while you're performing it. And then you'll make it funny oh mm. that's how i work oh yeah no i i um i genuinely nearly walked off stage last night just went home because you hated it mm. well i was talking to my friend last night about that where um uh it's sort of like sometimes you know like within the first five minutes that it's going to be a disappointing show because you wait all day i'm not like mm. saying like you know first world problems or anything but like you wait all day to do your hour mm. And that's why we're up here. You know, we're away from our uh, our real friends, mm. <laughs> our family, our homes. Uh, we've come all the way up here to do this thing. And then you wait for an hour. And then when you get out there and you do your absolute guaranteed opening banger and didn't get anything, then you're like, oh, fuck this. I've got an hour to get through. Yeah. And that can be quite hard because you just it's disappointing because you feel like oh, I've got to wait another 24 hours to get. Yeah. to get the reaction I want. I, I, I do a thing where I start from the back <clears throat> with the music playing and I knew as soon as I was like chatting to them that the one, they didn't care. Two, they didn't get why the guy was shouting at them mm. before the show started. And I went, oh, this is going to be... Awful. Hard work. And it was. They didn't get any better from that. But it, it's a weird, it is a weird vibe. Isn't it? I'd started one show once in a wardrobe, <clears throat> cloth wardrobe, and I'd hop across the stage mm. in it and I'd get a laugh and they're going, oh, there's water. So I'd sneak on. And doing that to silence and then unzipping it is the most grim thing. Yeah, it's like it's like because um, you can't explain to the audience that they're wrong, but yeah. you but they are because it's worked mm. every single time except for this one. And now you know that there's, if they didn't like that, there's nothing else in the show that's going to get them mm. because they're already not on board. And so it's just like, well, this is just an exercise in professionalism, right? Yeah, yeah. I've just got to do the hour. I've got yeah. to do it. I'm going to hate it. You're going to hate it but we're contractually obligated to sit through this together and do it. Yeah, um, yeah I think it's, it's, it's sort of, you know, it's bonkers, really. But um, Do you find that with audiences, like this year you're saying that you've, you've almost misled them with the, the title and the, and the image? Well, I don't think I have. I just think that no one, I think I just thought about it on a level that, that no one else is yeah. going to bother. I think we all do. I think I did a show, my show in 2013, one, it was called One Man Megamyth. And it was like this parallel story about me and Evil Knievel and how our lives were sort of like the same. You know, it was a joke, you know. Yeah. But like, I did this thing. And then like, if you were, if, like from writing theatre, when you write theatre, you expect stuff to be analysed and to, looked at, and mm. to be looked at. But when you write comedy, um, it doesn't mean really, people don't ever look at it that deep. And no. so it was a big like learning thing for 2013 because I felt like, that show like had loads of layers to it and it benefited from like repeat view like no one's going to watch your show 
more than once if, yeah. you, if you're lucky, right? Uh, and then some people do come back and maybe that's there for them, but certainly not like a reviewer doesn't pick up on all that stuff. All they're sort of like going is they're counting laughs, basically. Yeah. And so it's just like, was it funny? Was it not funny? But when you put all that extra stuff in. So I think that we tend to sort of, um, did that guy just bang that baby's head on his I way out of the door? I think a man is just... Uh uh, banged um, his baby's head on the wall. For the listeners <laughs> at home, there's a guy that's just in a circuit of the room that we're in. He's holding a baby in one hand, he's on the phone with the other. And on his way through the door, uh, we we weren't exactly looking, but we could see in the periphery, there was a loud smack and we looked over and the guy just sort of like casually just walked out. Yeah, yeah. He's really, well, he styled it out. He styled it out. I mean, the child will never the be kid the same again. It yeah. was weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think it's all right. I think it's all right. Um, yeah, I think yeah. I think as as like the creators of whatever we do, we overthink it or not overthink it. I think we probably think of it just the right an amount. Yeah. But I think the amount of work that you put into it holds up that at best, ninety five percent at best, it works on a subliminal level mm. where people go, that show was really satisfying, and I can't quite understand why. Do you find that people's perception of what well what they think you are before they come into a show is different? to what you actually one are on stage everyone when they meet me that is like like jur like c comedy journalists when they meet me they always say to my pr lady oh he was nice and it's just like well, what this is your job yeah, yeah to watch people on stage pretend stuff you know or or, or make up stories or tell anecdotes you know what i mean but your job is to watch and even even journalists don't look at it like we're doing it's a persona that you put on when you go on stage and it's not a persona like um, we're in our dressing room with our mirrors with all the light bulbs around it and we're putting on our makeup and then we come out on stage it's not like it's not like that it's sort of like it's like an instinctive thing when I go on stage and maybe it's like a survival thing when you go on stage your brain switches gears and then you're like right I'm in business mode now and yeah. then you know and when you come off it's like I'm not like that when I'm off stage I don't need to be but when yeah. I'm on stage you've got to be looking for jokes yeah, yeah. You know, it's not a desperation. It's just your brain is working in a different way. All of our brains work in a different way. And mm. I think it's just weird. that. So when people meet me in real life, they're like, oh, you're so much different from your on stage. It's like, well, of course I fucking am. That, yeah. that person on stage isn't a real... It, it's meant to be funny, you know? So you've been... Well, you've been nominated twice. Yes. For the 2013... Which counts well, as a win, I think. Two halves make a hole. Yeah, That's yeah. That's what I say. <laughs> well, it or, you know, you could have been like me and won an award that... There's also been won by a shed. Sure. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, your one was bullshit, but my one was real <laughs> because I had to do two, two shows that were nearly good enough to win. Oh yeah. Who was who was good enough to win though in those years? Uh, I think it was Adam Riches the first year and Bridget Christie the second year. That's fair enough. Though, I mean, it? fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair do. But the way uh, I say it is, I got the first half of my award in 2011, and then I, <laughs> and then I completed it in 2013. Hey, my hey. rules. <laughs> it's all bullshit. <laughs> It's all bullshit, don't forget. You might get your second one this year. Sure. You, you're in a position now where you can just come up and make do a show you want to do and then take it on tour. Yeah, but I've always been in that position because um, because when you... Um, I've never read reviews. like the, the, When we got the one-star review and they said, oh, it's going to be a two-star review, you go, it's bullshit. Like, we got a printing error... The one-star review, which means that we got a bad show, sold out. 
So yeah. every, then after that, you just like, well, none of it fucking matters. If you get a four-star review, great. If you get a one-star review, fine. If you no. get a five-star review, even... Five-star... I mean, it's the reviews, it, it sounds like you're like... I got a five-star review from The Telegraph, and then you just end up with a bunch of fucking Telegraph readers that turn up who don't find you funny because mm. the, arts the arts journalist wrote a nice review about you, and then you, and you're appealing to an audience that isn't for you. And so it's kind of like... You might as well just ignore it all and just focus on the audience that are right in front of you every day and just listen to them during the previews. And if you're happy with your show in the previews, you know, do it every day in Edinburgh and like, you know, concentrate on the fact that they're laughing and they're smiling. And then if you do that, you'll have a good year every year. Mm. But if you worry about like journalists and, and reviews and uh, the panel and um, the awards and stuff, it's kind of like, then. You're never going to be happy because you're never going to get what you want out of it. I've always liked your attitude to things. I always remember when you were very, you said something very kind to me at Latitude 2015 and I just made a pie that I wasn't happy with. And I always remember you went, it doesn't matter. You said, you've done something. It doesn't matter what these people say. You've gone out there and you've done it. You've tried it. But I thought it was a nice, nice little uh, attitude. And I, was like, and it, I always think of that. I think, yeah, you're right, actually. Sometimes you're not always going to knock it out of the park, but at least you've you tried to the do amount something. of people that don't get a pilot you yeah, know I suppose. um it was uh, what happens is people come along and they see something that's really unique and interesting and exciting in a hot room in edinburgh and then they say well, let's put that on telly and then they try and take it on telly and they're like going but strip everything that made it great and exciting mm. and we'll put it in a shiny floor i had a pilot uh, for heavy entertainment and um and <coughs> I think they had three months to put it together because they wanted to do it before the end of the tax year. They said, basically, you can do anything. I was like, my stand... I'd just done Live at the Electric, mm. and I was like, my stand-up does not work on TV. I don't want to do it on TV. And mm. they said, you can do anything you want, <laughs> uh, but you've got to do it in, like... I think it was like... I think it, we had the meeting in January, and it had to be in by March. Mm. So you do anything you want, but you've got, like, two, two and a half months to do it. And I was like... Okay, well, then it'll be done, and then I won't have to think about it ever again, and then we'll just all move on, and that's fine. And the first thing is, we'll, set, we'll film it at the BBC, and we'll have a big, nice, shiny floor, mm. and you'll be in this cavernous room that you can't control, and then we'll get a small audience in, and they'll be right in the middle of this vast, kind of, like, huge soundstage at BBC, and we'll build this set. You know, part of what we do is organise chaos. Mm. But you can't do organised chaos on TV because it has to be organised so that everyone knows what 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 yeah. to expect. And so then it's kind of like they take they want to take all the spontaneity out of it. And then it's like, but then you went and rectified it. You went and did it the way you wanted. to A lot it. of people really, uh, when it came out, when my pilot came out, um, people hated it, and people like, and I was new to sort of like social media and everything like that. And people absolutely destroyed it, and I got loads of um, abuse online, and it was just like, okay, people don't like my pilot, right? Although I thought, as a pilot, half hour of telly, it was a fair representation of what I did, right? And so then that affected how I felt about the series, and then when, when we had time to do the series, I was like, I would like to do a series, but I feel like the series should have the same arc as the half hour pilot. Mm. So rather than have a breakdown over half an hour every week, 
I'll have a breakdown over six episodes where it gets progressively worse and worse every week. Mm. So by episode six, I've like everything's destroyed. Yeah, yeah. But I also wanted it to be exactly like it was in Edinburgh, with a low ceiling, a hot room, loads of sweat. And then I made the series, and I think BBC were like, um, "What the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, this isn't the pilot." <laughs> And it's just like, no, it's not a pilot. It's, it's, it's better than a pilot. And regardless of how successful it was, I would say 50% of it is exactly what I wanted it to be. And is if we'd have got a second series, we'd have improved it. Uh, is that the thing you're most proud of that you've made? No. What no, is but the, I am very proud of that. What is the thing that you're most proud of and that you've created? Um, I think my two albums are... Um, I, love, I love making music... Uh, probably as much as I love doing comedy. Yeah. Uh, you have a lot more control when you make music. You sit in a recording studio, you record it. I sit with my producer, Andy, and we just like, you know, uh, we just like tweak it and change stuff and add stuff and we experiment with different sort of like sounds. And then, and then it, you have a level of control over, or I have a level of control over my music that I'll never get in a live setting you have to embrace the chaos with life because mm. it'll never go exactly where you plan it for me. And I, I imagine you. No. And that's part of what the fun about doing live stuff is. Yeah. But the other half of it is like getting an idea that's unfiltered from your brain onto like a thing mm. is, is like really rewarding. And so the albums are that. And then I did a short film called Elephant that I'm proud of. Oh, yeah. Um, which again was like, exactly what I wanted it to be. And what about, um, what about your experience this year outside of the show? Like, uh, because we're older now, a little bit wiser. So current to Edinburgh is not, it's quite interesting. I went into Brooks Bar last night for the first and last time mm. of the festival. And it's just so funny. I, when now I'm 40, I just go, oh yeah, this, this yeah. not for me, this part of it now. Yeah. For me, the part is just doing the show. And all at times, you still go out and see people and have a good time, but it's so funny that energy, a lot of people will be having the best month of craziness. Um, how do you find time outside of your show up here now? What are your experiences? It's a bit weird. My girlfriend, Amy Gledhill, she's in two shows. So she leaves the flat every day about 10 o'clock, and then she doesn't get back until 7. So I leave the flat about midday, and then I try and go and see some shows, and I do my show, and then... So, so I have spent a lot of time on my <laughs> own and I'm not drinking this year. This yeah. is the first Edinburgh I've ever done not drinking. And you're off smoking as well. And I don't smoke anymore. Um, I sort of gave up smoking in 2013 and I sort of, Edinburgh, I fell, I fell in a pit last time I did it and I started smoking again. Yeah, so for like up until recently, it's been kind of quiet and I've mm. done my show and it's weird because I'm not like getting an adrenaline. I'm on these new antidepressants and I guess they deal with my anxiety. So my, um, my adrenaline rush when I go on stage is sort of, I, don't, I come off stage and I'm just like, oh, what do we do now then? Do you know what really, I mean? Yeah, you haven't got that, um, we've not got the nervous energy. Yeah, not buzzing yeah. or anything. And you kind of like, uh, so you kind of like go, well, what, what now? So then that's been, that's been sort of like... Because you've just been setting fire to cars after your gigs. Now, yeah, you've got to do something, do you know what I mean? Um, and, and so what I've started doing is just, I normally just focus on my show, but I've been seeing other people's shows this year. I don't know if you're the same as me, but like, I don't feel this year that I'm, like, if I go home early, I don't feel I'm missing anything. Whereas I always used to have that fear of, am I going to miss an amazing night? 
what if I go there tonight? And yeah, I, right. And I, 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 now I, I don't. I, do you know what? I'm, I'm, I think I'm a lot more comfortable in myself at the moment and I'm a lot happier mm. spending time by myself. And I've got my headphones and I listen to music and I walk around listening to music, smiling and uh, going to see... Going to see show. I don't have like um, that competitive edge that I that where I feel like I can't see anyone else's shows. What if it's what if it's amazing yeah, and yeah. it ruins my expectation? You know, I I'm I'm looking forward to seeing something that sort of changes my life. You know, oh. or changes my outlook on the day. I've seen some really amazing stuff so far. Well, Nick, that's been that's wonderful. I don't want to keep you much longer, to be honest. But I, I've really enjoyed chatting to you. It's always a pleasure to chat to you. You know, with you being my friend and everything. Sure. <laughs> Good night, Edinburgh. <laughs> Good night. Thank Keep supporting live comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I might put an explosion on there. Some music. <laughs> Thanks so much, Nick. Uh, do you want to say one more time what the name of your show is, what time it's on, or where it's on? My show is called What Have We Become? It's on at the Queen Dome at 5.25 every day Excellent. for the rest of our lives. <laughs> for the rest of our lives. Hopefully for me not too much longer thanks Nick absolute pleasure God bless us all (laughs) (laughs) thanks so much for listening I hope you enjoyed today's episode do go and check out Nick's show and also what are the shows of someone else that we've spoken to across the series or why not just go out there and take a chance on someone you've never heard of that's what the festival's all about or come and watch my show at 6.40pm at the caves just up the road do like and subscribe. Add us on all the socials at Fringe Binge Pod. Have a lovely day. Oh, yeah, I've just seen a guy go past with a Yorkshire Terrier on the front of his bicycle. It's going to be one of those days. Take care. <laughs>